you found the Winding Roads Podcast. My name is Isaac Redinger. Each week, my guests and I talk about cars. Our own cars, our past cars, cars we're excited about, how we were bitten by the car enthusiast bug, and more. Hop in, buckle up, and join me for another great drive. Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I've got a special treat. Uh, ben is joining me all the way from the UK. Uh, how are you today, Ben? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So you may or may not know Ben. He's pretty new to the scene, but he's growing rapidly. He's quite the sensation recently on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, ben focuses on showing you how well you can utilize a sports car or any kind of fun car for use as a dad car. And so that's really near and dear to my heart. I am going to be a dad this summer. And so when I found his channel, I just kind of latched on and um, it's, it's great. So Ben, tell me a little bit about your channel and, and what um, made you start the channel. Yeah, so dad cars then. Um, yeah, this is, it's basically that, you know, that the, I, what I think is, is a misconception is that if you're a car enthusiast, when you become a dad, you've kind of got to put that behind you for a bit. You've got to go and get something practical, something boring. Um, and yeah, I'm just challenging. I'm challenging that really, I suppose, uh, because I, I, don't think, I don't think you have to. You don't have to run out and buy the biggest SUV, you know, um, the, the biggest, heaviest thing you possibly can, um, because you'll be surprised what you can actually get away with. And, and look, if you are really passionate about cars, yeah, it doesn't leave you just because you become a dad. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you can find a way to do both, then I think that's uh, yeah, that's that's you should do that. Um, and that's what I've been doing with the channel. So it started with my car, which is an Aston Martin DB9, or I call it the the Dad B9. Um, yeah, it's an awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think it was a good one to start the channel with actually because. Uh, the DB9 I, is definitely the rear seats of the DB9 are the smallest that I've I've tested and, and seen myself. But but there are solutions to get child seats back there. Um, and I've got mm -hmm. I've got four children, so my eldest okay. is five, and the youngest is six months. So um, so yeah, and then and then each week I, I feature a different exciting car. So I've got really kind car enthusiasts reaching out to me now all the time saying, Hey, look, I love the channel come and review my Maserati or come and review my Porsche or, you know, so mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, um, just, just checking all these cars out for rear practicality for what child seats you can fit in them. And, you know, yeah, just seeing what you could use as a dad car. Yeah. And your story kind of follows what you say is, is kind of the norms. You had a, you had a sports car before you had children, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. So the, so the, um, the, the sports car I had, uh, when I when I first became a dad was a Lotus Elise, um, an S2 Lotus Elise. It was it was actually a 111R that had been converted fully to to um, SC spec, so it's a supercharged one. But yeah, so I had that, and then we we bought our first daughter home, and then I realised that you can't switch the airbag off in an S2 Elise, so I couldn't put the rear facing baby seat in the passenger side. I couldn't take it out, and then I couldn't take my wife out in, in the Elise with me and leave the baby at home so yeah I kind of just had this car didn't know what to do with it so I, I, I sold it thinking yeah look maybe maybe now you just become a dad and you put all that behind you for a bit and then you wait until you're middle age but I tell you it doesn't it doesn't leave you it really doesn't like uh, you know after a few months you start getting that sort of like the voice in your head and you find yourself opening up the, the classifieds on your phone while you're sat on the toilet and thinking what could I make work you know 
So, um, so yeah, but I love that car though. I love that, uh, mm -hmm. Elise. Okay. So what was your, after you got rid of the Elise, uh, what did you move to? Did you, um, needed another car right away and you kind of got a replacement for it in the, the, uh, more traditional way, or did you, were you able to have some time and you could actually think about it and then plan for something that was still fun? Yeah, that, that was, that was it basically. So we, so we got, so we got a practical car for my wife. So we bought a big uh, BMW X5. Um, it's a, it's a 14 model year, 2014 um, model year one. And uh, we got a seven seat one, but it's a 30 D and I thought that this, this will, this might, this might sort of do both things, you know, if you get a 30 D I mean, zero to 60, what still like sub, sub seven seconds, I think. Um, but yeah, look, it's a cool car, but it just doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't really do it. Um, but I, I, right. there was actually a number of years between selling the Elise and then me buying the, uh, the, the DB9 uh, for, for various reasons. I mean, that's the other thing as well. You know, I, I sort of encourage people to go out and buy an exciting dad car. But I also appreciate that sometimes you just, you know, you have just got to kind of tighten things up financially, haven't you? And just get through some time. So, um, but as soon as you are able to get something, I recommend that you do. So, yeah, I had, I had quite a few years between... Uh, the Elise and and the DB9. How long was it? I think, yeah. Well, I had I had um, three children by the time I got the the DB9s. Okay. Yeah. A little bit about yourself. What's what's the earliest car related memory you can think of as a child? Um, you know, does your did your own dad get you into cars, or is it something that you just saw on TV? Yeah. No. Funnily enough, there's there's no one directly in my family when I was growing up that was massively into cars. Probably my earliest memory was there was a, a guy on my childhood road uh, who got a Lotus Elise S1 when they first came out. So that would have been in 1996, I think. So I think I was about eight years old at the time. And just seeing this S1, <laughs> Lotus Elise, when they first came out in British racing green, uh, just seeing that every day walking past, it's just incredible. And I think that is my earliest memory and just being captivated by that. Um, I think that's the thing, isn't it? So, certain sort of children, they, they really are gravitated and they're fascinated by cars. I, mean, I don't know, do you ever see it yourself when you're driving around in, in your, because you've got a Cayman, is that right? Correct, yeah. So you, you see sometimes, don't you? Like when there's like a, you know, a child who will pick it out and point at it or something, you know, it's, um, yeah. yeah. But that, that, that car is incredible. And then, um, and then I'm also, I'm of an age, I mean, I'm about to turn 35, but the Gran Turismo, generation i call you know the original grand mm -hmm. turismo on the ps1 so yeah when that came out me my brother and all my friends we just got absolutely obsessed with grand turismo and 90s japanese cars as well um but uh, but yeah yeah that that lotus elise was the was the earliest memory okay yeah okay so that being said did you have any kind of poster on the wall cars or is it and if so was it um something that came out of grand turismo like um I, I would consider myself part of the Gran Turismo generation as well. That was that was the game that did it for me. It opened my world to a whole bunch of cars that I didn't know existed before that because yeah. of the Japanese market and the European market. Um, how was that like for you? Yeah, no, definitely. So, so I mean, we're talking about Gran Turismo. So, yeah, my my elder brother he he always bought a Supra, a Mark IV Supra, and then would modify that up to a thousand brake horsepower and that was his car for the game and whenever on my memory card when i was playing it i always went for the gto twin turbo so okay 
so for us, those, I guess, are kind of where like poster cards for us. And um, my brother later on did get a Mark IV Supra for a brief period. And I got my GTO Twin Turbo, or what they're called in the UK, it was a UK car, it's a 3000 GT. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, just, it's the same thing. Um, the, other, the other sort of poster on the wall car that I can't even really remember why, but it's always been a Lamborghini Diablo as well for me. And I, I think that really is like a quintessential poster on the wall car isn't it uh yeah to me the, the diablo is the ultimate expression of a v12 lamborghini uh, even to this day uh, there's something something special about those cars and just how crazy they look i would agree the diablo and the 355 were the two of my favorites from from i think they're still some of the best looking cars on the road yeah no definitely i agree my go-to car of choice in gran turismo when i was a kid was an s2000 that was it was well balanced, and it was just a, a step above, in my opinion, the uh, the MX-5 or the Miata, as we call it. Um, and so that was just my choice. It was something a little bit different, but yeah, um, no, no, I agree. I I completely agree. It's funny that um, because I I had an S2000 as well in my twenties. I had a lovely white one, okay, white one with red leather interior, and it was yeah, it was, it was amazing. But I've always been the same as well because everybody, everyone loves the Miata, or we call them the MX-5. Um, but for me, they just, they've never, they've never really done it. But to be fair, I've never driven one. And everybody says that once you drive one or you take one on track or something like that, then it's, uh, yeah, it changes. Mm-hmm. So. How would you compare your S2000 to the Elise? Obviously, they're both very dedicated sports cars, um, but kind of have a different goal. And so how would you, how would you compare those? Yeah, I, I, it felt, felt quite different, I would say. I always remember with the with the S two thousand, that was the car that I would lose traction in the rear wheels the most. Um, yeah, of all the all the cars that I've had, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that might have been because I went straight from the three thousand GT GTO Twin Turbo to the S two thousand, and obviously the, the GTO Twin Turbo has got four wheel drive. It's even got four wheel steer, I believe. Um, but but uh, but yeah, no, I was always breaking tractions and, and traction in the rear wheels and sort of squirling all over the place uh, in my twenties in that car. I never never got in trouble or anything, but yeah, it would get the get the heart racing. Uh, whereas in the Elise, I, I mean, you could try your hardest, but you you know, I I never I never got the the back end to do anything other than stick to the road in the Elise. So the DB9 that's recently added to your to your stable i guess you could say um what did your daughters think when you first brought it home did they have any reactions to it or um how have they grown in their appreciation for cars obviously they're still very young um what have you noticed from them and things like that yeah no it's funny they um they genuinely love that car uh even my two-year-old she will, um, she'll, we say, oh, look, we're going to go somewhere. And she'll say, no, go in the Aston. And go in the Aston, Aston Martin. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they really love it. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's a, it's a car which is, you know, makes a lot of noise. Obviously to them, it's really, it's really fast as well. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. And I, I don't know whether as well, it's just because, um, I'm always, I've always got a massive smile on my face. I've had that car for over a year and a half now, but still makes me smile every single time you put that key it's got this this little like crystal key that you you push into the into the dash and then it fires up the v12 uh, but it, yeah you can't help but feel sort of like happy <laughs> when you're in that car and then and then the girls kind of pick up on that energy as well and then 
they want they pick a song to play and we'll um it'll be some like kids song that they <laughs> they want to play out loud to the Aston uh like Dingle Dangle Scarecrow or something like that and uh yeah, it's just every time we go out, it's great fun. So they, they want me to pick them up from preschool in it and things like that. And sometimes I surprise them. So, yeah, they really love it. And although it's really small in there, it's it's actually quite handy because everything's within arm's reach. So if one of them sort of drops their soft toy or something like that, you could just reach back and grab it. Or, um, yeah, yeah, it's honestly, it's, mm-hmm. it's a very exciting car and they, they all love it. Yeah. And in some of the videos, you can really pick up on their on their just energy how when they hear the exhaust you know rev up and burble and things like that they they giggle and it's 100 percent natural like you can't script something like that from from a child so young and um they definitely seem like they're into it and enjoy the car fully yeah definitely definitely you had your nephews in the car in one of your videos recently and are they, are you like the, the island of car enthusiasm in the family or do they have other people that they can, you know, get that from? Yeah, I guess I kind of, I kind of, I am really. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's sort of on that, I've been thinking about this a lot recently and I might make a video about it, um, about the cool car uncle, you know, the cool car uncle. And, and I was, I always have been the cool car uncle. I remember I've got like a picture of when I had the S2000, like one of my, nephews sat in the seat when he's really little and and things like that um but i never really understood that i think that's a really important job you know so say if like you've got some of your listeners right now who are listening and they perhaps they're not parents yet you know so um but but they 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 might be the cool car uncle and um so i think i think what we what we should all do is make a bit of an effort really to because because recently okay so this happened with the with the um with the aston martin so one of, one of my nephews, when I first got it, he, he was around for a barbecue and I just got the Aston. I said, look, come and see the car. And I said, do you want to go for a dr- drive in it? And I switched it on. And he initially was a bit kind of, oh my goodness, you know, this car's really loud. <laughs> I said, let's go for a drive. And then he was, oh, I'm not too sure. And then his, my sister, his mum convinced him, said, no, look, go in the car with him, it'd be fine. I just took him around the block and just, you know, accelerated to 40 miles an hour. But it just, honestly, you can see the smile on his face. And ever since then, every time I see him or speak to his, my sister, she says that he's just obsessed with cars now. So he'd be driving around and he'd go, look, mum, there's an Audi R8. That car's amazing, you know, and that's got a V10 in it. And, um, so, so since then, it's, um, it's really sort of started the passion in him. And I, I never really realised um, the importance of that. So, yeah, if anybody's listening and they are a cool car uncle and they've not really appreciated or understood how important that role is, you know, maybe, maybe sort of ping a message to, um, to your sister or brother and say, look, can I, can I take them? Even if you just, I don't know, go to like a drive through or something like that with them. And look, they might not, they might not care, but uh, you know, they, they might care. And that might be the, uh, the sort of formative core memory that makes them then go on and be really passionate about internal combustion engines, which is important, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I would, I am definitely the cool car uncle of my family. Um, not that they've really, my, I have a niece and nephew who are 12 or 13 and nine, and they haven't had much experience with it because we're far enough away that I don't get to see them very often. But one of these, maybe this summer, I'll have to make a, an effort to just hang out with them individually and take them for a ride in the Cayman and things like that. And, you know, kind of start that journey and, and things, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I think that, that's a great concept. Is the cool car uncle or even aunt? 
um, oh, absolutely. To, to yeah. be that to be that light in someone's like because you hear all the time, you know, the newer generation, they're not necessarily into cars like we were or our prior generations. And um, some of that's because of the way cars are going. But I think if you can if you have the chance to really help um, share your passion, you know, with a young person. Um, I think that's really important. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, if back when I was eight years old, if that guy on my road actually said to me, hey, look, do you want to come out in my S1 Lotus Elise or a drive? I think like my head would have exploded, you know, but, <laughs> but even just seeing that car was enough to like turn me into this crazy obsessed petrol head now. Um, so yeah, yeah, if you get the opportunity to do it, it's the same like whenever I'm driving around as well. Something I do, if ever there's a, a, a child that like points at my car, I'll, I'll click both paddles, put it into neutral, and then I'll give it a rev. You know, I just feel like that is, we're obligated. We need to do that, you know. So, or if there's a, if someone, sort of come, a child comes over and you're parked somewhere, like offer them to sit in the car and get a picture, you know, like their, their, their dad or mum could take a picture on their phone or something. I, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, really passionate about all of that. And I think um, we need to get the next generation interested in internal combustion engines because, yeah, it's all, it's all going to be changing soon, isn't it? And, uh, yeah. I think that's important. I know you're, you're, you've been shooting a lot of different cars. What, what was the one so far that has really, um, it was not what you expected? Like it was the biggest surprise for you? Yeah, um, I, would say, I would say it was the Lotus Evora. Uh, just because, I mean, I'm a huge Lotus fan. Um, I always have been. But, but the Evora to me, the looks of it, I've just never done it. It's always looked a little bit funky. Uh, so mm-hmm. I've just, and I never understood like, why would you buy an Evora when you can have it in Exige, you know? So for the similar sort of money, I, mean, I don't know what they're like in the U S but yeah, you can, it's, it's similar sort of money over here. So, so when that, that car came up, I was like, yeah, look, obviously I've got to go and do that. Cause it's got rear seats technically. Um, and it, yeah, just, it, that car blew me away. And I, and I sort of, I felt bad for, for always hating on the car really, because, because of like seemingly it didn't look as nice as the exige but the the rear practicality in that because it's got a flat rear bench you can actually fit quite a lot back there and it's very very usable like getting in and out of it's a lot easier although i never I never bothered me that because it always just made it feel mm-hmm. a bit more fun getting in and out of a tiny post box of space in the elise but yeah getting in and out and the level of refinement in it is decent as well and but it feels like a proper lotus still feels like a you know a real proper lotus that evora does so it's kind of um it's kind of a a magic little car that really for all of the things that it can do um so yeah the evora really really blew me away for a car that i've always dismissed it was interesting with when i saw that um your video about the evora recent so i work at an audi dealership and recently my the used car manager bought an Evora from okay. like an auction and we've got it there to 14, I believe it's kind of rough. It, it hasn't been well taken care of. Um, but I sat in it out of curiosity cause I've never been in a Lotus of any kind mm. and I wasn't sure how I felt about it based on, like I had a, a benchmark of my Cayman yeah. or, or the Audis that I'm exposed to every day. And obviously it's, it's more of a compared to those I could, guess you could say it's more of a basic car yeah like it doesn't have a whole bunch of creature comforts and amenities but it is a very sporting car yeah and while i didn't have a chance to drive it 
it was just interesting to me to see how the Brits do it as far as car building versus Germans or Japanese and things like that. It was, it was just kind of interesting to just see the differences. Yeah. Well, if so, you've never sat in an, in a Elise or an Exige then. You, I've not. If you sit in one of those, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's just like sitting inside a tin can or something. It's as stripped back as it possibly can be. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So it might, might sound strange to you hearing me say that I think an Evora has an acceptable level of refinement. Uh, but, yeah, that's the contrast of, of like a, a classic Lotus. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. But you didn't get to drive it, though, no? No, it's it's been cold here, especially when we first got it. It's been cold. Also, it doesn't seem to be running right. I think there's a coolant leak some leak of some kind. Okay. Um, so I don't really want to take it out on the road, but the, it's got the wrong tires, and um, it just if it was a summer, I might have tried it. But yeah, if you get the opportunity, I'd I'd highly recommend it. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a special car. But they, okay. the, the way that they were built, though, is they can, if they're not looked after, they they can sort of, lotuses can start to sort of feel a bit a bit ropey. Um, but they're uh, they're lovingly hand-built, so. Randomly, I've thought about this. Have you had any experience with the TVR, or have you been up close and personal to them at all? No. No, I haven't. I haven't. And, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be an interesting one when it comes to it, because... Um, yeah, even before having children, TVRs to me kind of always felt a little, one step sort of a little bit maybe too far and sort of, uh, you know, towards like unsafe and a bit bit crazy, you know. Um, but they're incredible, TVRs are. Uh, and yeah, I mean, as a, as a, as a dad car, it's, um, no, it, 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 comes down to, it comes down to the individual, doesn't it? You know, like what, what your level of driving experience is and all that sort of thing. Um, but, but yeah, I'd love to do a video on a TVR. I would, but perhaps for that one, I would leave the children at home. <laughs> that would just be more of, a, more of an experience, experiential type thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would, lo- I would love to. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to happen. Okay. Yeah, because they're all basically roadsters or, or two-seat coupes. They don't really have any any two plus twos do they yeah you know i want to i was just thinking that i want to i want to say there might be one that's got seats in the back um yeah i'm not too sure i'd have, I'd have to google that to be honest if you just double check mm-hmm. so my first experience with tvr was of course on gran turismo yeah and it was the speed six and the speed 12 and they just seemed like spaceships like they were so extreme and they had crazy i mean this is late 90s they had crazy styling and they they just look like if they could do a thousand miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, that's it. When they're stripped down, they've got they've got nothing, um, and uh, but then they've got they're crazy fast as well. I mean, that was like the thing with like the early Elise was that it you know like the K series K series Rover engine like didn't actually have didn't put out that much power, but it didn't need it because it was light. Whereas TVRs, they strip them down, make them really light. And then they put a bigger engine in, which goes crazy. Um, and so yeah, if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, then, then you could could get in trouble with one of those. Definitely. You recently uh, did a video about the Mustang. Do you have many of those in Europe? Or I feel like for a long time they weren't really a thing. Um, yeah, and they probably still come across a little bit big on your roads as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So the Mustang, we uh, we we don't we haven't had any muscle cars over here at all made in right hand drive right up until the sixth the sixth generation isn't it currently mustang mm-hmm. but yeah we got the sixth generation mustang right hand drive and we got like a um like an eco boost one 
or you know the uh, the full fat five liter V8, uh, the Mustang GT. So so now that since having that, we, we they, they are a fairly fairly common sight on the road. Nowhere okay. near as common as they are obviously in the US. Sure. Um, still a special thing, still a special thing to see and hear. You know, you, when you hear one of those rumbling, you don't even before you turn around, you, you know what it is here. So. Um, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I am a big fan of um, American muscle cars. Um, I mean, me we we did a, a little a, a traveling road trip across America before we had children, um, and we drove a convertible sixth generation Mustang across California, and then when we were over the Florida side, we hired a Camaro SS, um, a red one, and that was just incredible. Uh, but but yeah, like so so Camaros over here, um, Challengers, they are so rare, so so rare. Like you just never ever see them. I mean, there's probably like ten for sale in in you know in the country at the moment, like ten ten Camaros or something like that. So um, yeah yeah, real special sight. Whereas much more much more common to see for yourself, I imagine. Yeah, I imagine maybe not as popular as golfs are for you, but they're. They're very easy to come by. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you say, common, you yeah. say about the size of the Mustang being like a big thing, but I mean, the truth is all, all cars are getting so big now, you know, mm-hmm. like um, every other car on the road over here is an SUV now. And um, mm-hmm. yeah. And even, even like little hatchbacks and things, uh, they're just they're massive. They don't seem to do three door cars anymore either. Like um, I was, uh, yeah, I drove, I drove an old Peugeot uh, 306, GTI six um recently that video will be coming out soon um as <clears throat> a car of another YouTuber um but that I had to Google like what is what's a modern equivalent of a three oh six and yeah they're just they're massive you know even like a two oh eight it's it looks like a little mini crossover SUV thing it's um yeah so I so yeah the Mustang is still a big car but when you compare it to like SUVs and stuff it's not really yeah, it's it's funny because, I mean, I assume it's probably similar to this over, you know, in Europe and everything. But here, people think as soon as they start having children, they have to get, you know, a five-seat SUV or crossover. And some of them, if you really boil it down, if you lower them five inches, it's just a hatchback, yeah. you know. But cars in general, as you say, have gotten much bigger. You reminded me of when I was a kid, we did a, a road trip to um, a beach a few hours away with my aunt and my parents and my sister. So it was five of us in a, a 93 Geo Prism. Mm-hmm. So you probably didn't have that um, anywhere outside of the US, but it was essentially a Corolla. It was a rebadged to Corolla. Um, so if you imagine a 93 Corolla, we got four adults, or no, three adults and two, two children about the age of eight in that car, plus luggage for a week. Like you don't need a large car, no. Even though people think we do, yeah. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Particularly, I mean, most normal same people only have two children, don't they? You know, it's only <clears throat> it's only crazy people like me that go ahead and have four. Uh, but if you've only got two children, you don't need to have a Range Rover. You know, you don't need to. You really don't need all of that, all of that extra space and size. Um, I mean, they're cool. You know, I get it. If if you want one because they're cool, then you know that's. That's that's one thing. But you don't you don't need to have a massive, huge car with a huge boot. Um, yeah, but yeah, but it's exciting though. So how much longer have you got until um, until you become a dad? Then 
she is due the end of May, the last few days in May. Yeah. Um, so we, she's five months on and uh, a few months, a few more to go. And she's, she's gotten to the nesting phase. So she's starting to think about the different things she's got to buy and uh, cleaning up all the, you know, getting the room ready and things like that. So we're into that, um, into that stage, but she still is holding to that. She does not want me to sell the Cayman. That's good. It works out because yeah. she she doesn't she doesn't work. She stays at home, so we don't need to have to juggle the child between like, you know, I I take the baby to the sitter in the morning or pick them up on my way home. So we don't need two four door cars, yeah, or even cars with rear seats. So she she wants me to keep the Cayman for forever because she knows I've always wanted a Cayman, and we've got her car to do family duties. So. Um, yeah, luckily that's not going to be gone anywhere for a while. Yeah, no, that's look. That's here's the thing, right? If um, if you if you're if you and you have a half, you've only got one car. Like, say if your other half doesn't drive for whatever reason, or at the moment you've only got one car. I understand, you know, there there are limitations there. So you, yeah, some of the things that I re- review and sort of bang the drum for on my channel, yeah, that it's probably not going to work as the sole family car. But a lot of people like myself, like you. You know, our other half drives and, you know, they've got something slightly more practical. But still, they don't need something huge, you know. I mean, we could, we could justify the X5 because we've got four children. But, um, but yeah, so if they've got something a bit more practical, then that really does leave. You know, you can, you can have your, your Cayman will be as practical as my four-seater Aston Martin. Because <clears throat> more so, actually, because I can't fit all four of my children in, in my DB9 now. Whereas you, when your, your child's here, and if you can figure out a way of getting that seat in the Cayman, you know, you could take all of your children out in your car. So, yeah, it's funny. Your Cayman is actually more practical than my DB9 for me. <laughs> and I've got more luggage space in my Cayman, too, than your DB9. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've, it's funny. I've never driven a Cayman. So, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would like to. I'd like to try one. Mm-hmm. Um, you could, I mean, I've never driven a 911, but I know that you have, mm. I would say take a 911, obviously subtract the two back seats, but add a trunk in the back. Yeah. So you, you've got the front like the 911 cause from the A pillar forward, it's very similar car. Yeah. And then you just take away the two seats in the back and, uh, yeah, I can disable my passenger airbag. So at least once I'm going to install the, the baby seat. Uh, uh, honestly, I rear would, facing in the yeah. Cayman to take a photo, send it to you, go for a drive. Yeah, um, but yeah, at least once I'm going to do that. I highly recommend it. <clears throat> honestly, I highly recommend it. It'd be, it'd be lovely. You know, once and your, and your, uh, your partner will think you're the best, you're the best dad in the world. And I always like someone said this, some comedian, British comedian, I can't remember her name, but they said, if you're going to be a parent, be a dad. Because being a dad is honestly, it's the best because, you know, you could just, you could say to, to your other half, like, look, okay, I'm going to take the baby out for a couple of hours. I'm going to go for a little walk. And then you put the, put the rear face of baby seat in the passenger side, switch the airbag off, drive really safely somewhere, go for a little walk, get a folding buggy out. And it'll feel like a, it'll feel really fun for you because, you know, you're taking your baby out in one of your dream cars and then you come back and then she'll be like, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, he's incredible. He's you know, he took took the baby out, gave me a couple of hours so I could have a bath. But but then meanwhile, she was she's doing all the other hours and stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah. But look, I highly recommend it. You know, I I call them like dad car days. I was I used to call them that even before I started the channel. Mm. 
Um, but yeah, spending spending the day with my children feels like an adventure for you as well. And you'll have a massive mm -hmm. smile on your face because you're like, oh, I'm a dad and I've got this car. And oh, God, this is brilliant. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for you. It's going to be great. What kind of questions do you get from your from your daughters or your children about about cars or your car? Um, do they do they ever give you a question that you've never really thought about before? Yeah, they 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 always comment on the interior color. They, they, okay. always, they always talk about they always talk about that. Um, they they also they want me to do a, a car where the roof comes down. That's what, <laughs> Daddy. When are we going to do a car where the roof comes down? So so they're looking they're looking forward to that. What's really sweet is they they're starting to. They are starting to pick up on little things like um, my uh, my second daughter, my f my four year old. Um, she came out with me when I did when I when I drove the first nine eleven a nine nine seven. Um, it's a nine nine seven CSR, which is this this company that in the UK that kind of makes this bespoke nine nine seven. It's a really special thing. Um, so we we drove that, and then the next day we drove a nine eleven nine nine. 991.2 C4S and she said straight away as soon as she sat in the back she's like oh this is this is the same as the the car that that we were doing yesterday and um yeah we had like a fun thing as well when I went to I said right I got to do the boot test and I walked to the front of the car and then she said to me she said daddy no you got to do the boot test it's at the other side and I said no <laughs> the engine's in the wrong place it's, the, it's right at the back of the car. So the boot's at the front. And she thought that was quite funny. But mm -hmm. but yeah, in your car, the engine's in the right place because it's a mid-engine, right? In the Cayman. Right. So it's actually, I, I, I had a little fun with my with my dad when I first, uh, after I purchased the car and I took it over to, for the, to visit for the first time. I said, hey, you want to look at my, so we were looking at the car and I said, here, let me show you the engine. So I went to the front of the car and I opened the, the, the hood and he's, and he just kind of looked at it. I think he knew I was messing with him, but I'm like, oh, it's not there. So I said, oh, let's let's go to the back of the car. So I, I lifted the trunk, and I said, oh, it's not there either, yeah. because it's it's literally you can only see it if you're under the car, yeah. because they have it. Um, it it's really ingenious how much space they got into the car and have an engine and transmission, and two people in in this small little car. It's it's amazing. Like we can take. Um, I had to try it because I was curious. We can fit a whole full-size suitcase um, behind, like, on top of the engine cover, behind mm -hmm. the headrests of the seats. Yeah. Pl plus um, two carry-on size bags in the lower portion behind the engine, plus three carry-on bags in the front. Yeah. So we could go... We did. We went for a full week this summer, this past summer, with the Cayman and had it all loaded up, and um, it worked for like more surprisingly than you think. It's got a lot of room in it. Yeah, no, no, they're they're cool cars. I've 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 always thought that they're they're, they're very cool cars. Very interesting. I'd I would love to drive one. What the rule that I've kind of set myself with? Because obviously I love two seaters as well. Um, <clears throat> but for the channel, featuring them on the channel, my rule is that if it's a dad who owns the two-seater, who's reached out to me and said, hey, look, come and, come and review my Audi R8. And look, here's a picture of, you know, of my child and the child seat next to me in the R8. We use it all the time. Then I can feature it, you know? <laughs> so, because yeah. there will be people obviously that say, come on, two-seater, you can't use that. That's not a dad car. But if it's actually being used as a dad car, then 
that's how I can kind of justify it, you know. So I'll uh, yeah, I look forward to it, and I'd, I'd love to, I'd love to drive one. Yeah, if you have a chance, uh, maybe some of your listeners will will hook you up and help you get into a Cayman. Um, I'd be curious to see your thoughts between that and a 911 from a driving perspective, although you don't focus heavily on driving um, yeah. the cars. It's more about the usability, which is, I think, great because everybody can, you know, review a car and have their own opinion on it. Yeah, no, no, that's it. Yeah, that's that's the nice thing. And, um, you know, in some ways it kind of takes a bit of the pressure off, really, because I don't, because um, nine times out of ten, I have at least one of my children with me when I when I, I make these videos and, and when I take the car out for a drive. So what I'll do is I'll do a pull, you know, like I won't do um I won't do a full launch or anything, but you know, I'll do like a first gear up to national speed limit pull. But as far as going around the corners and stuff, you know, it's with with a little one on board. Um yeah. Mm-hmm. I just it's more but but that's that's the more sort of daily real world what you're gonna be like. If you're using this car as a dad car you're going to have a little one on board and you're probably not going to be throwing it around corners like like you will if it's a you know a perfect weather sunday morning and you're on your, on your own you know so and look, there's plenty of other plenty of other content creators out there that are showing you exactly what you know the riding dynamics and how fast you can push it around the corner and stuff like that so yeah hopefully I'm offering something that's a little bit different yeah you're definitely in a, i think it's an underserved niche because you know obviously there are a lot of people out there that have children that think they have to give up you know the the fun car but you know they just need someone to show them there there are ways you can you know not have to settle for something you don't want to um so i I definitely think you found you've struck on something that's going to be of a lot of benefit to people yeah yeah no definitely i get so many comments and and emails uh messages from people all the time just sort of saying like no, I, I got one today actually from somebody saying like I felt a lot. Of, he's got a um, an M3 which uh, he's offered me to drive, so that'd be exciting. But he, he was saying like how he's he's had pressure since becoming a dad from surprising amount of pressure from people and friends and family, sort of saying, well, "Come on, mate, you know um, you're a dad now, so you're going to finally get rid of that silly car, are you? Come on, that's not very practical, is it? You need to get something that you know it's got." It's got five doors and it's, it's, it's saying it's so it is. Um, yeah, to have had some content out there and um, yeah, sort of build a community, I suppose, of like minded dads who who know that, look, if you're a passionate you know, car enthusiast, it's never going to leave you, is it? So you're going to be a happier person if you find a way of doing both. And then you're going to be a happier husband. You're going to be a happier dad. You know, and you're going to, you know, make some make some memories. That's yeah. That's the big thing, really. I love just using them and making memories of my children. Of all the times, yeah. like, I've had a lot more, like, you know, all the other cars I've had were pre-children, but my fondest memories have been in in cars with my children. Just, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's still that, like, eight-year-old boy within me that's kind of like, oh, yeah, like, I can imagine that I was sat in the back of this right now and I'd be absolutely buzzing but to see that you know, <laughs> my children, before they've even gone to, before even they got to school age, you know, they've already been in like three Maseratis, two 911s and just all sorts of crazy stuff. GR Yaris, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, look, I, I love it. It's, uh, it's great. And they really enjoy it as well. They do generally enjoy it. Are there any cars that are on your radar for this year that you, you're making it a goal to get into those specifically? Um, or are you just kind of taking it as it goes and seeing what comes along? Yeah, to, yeah. To be honest, like it's it's um, I, at the moment it's just it's just whatever very kind um, 
car enthusiasts and dads and, and um, subscribers and, and viewers that are reaching out to me. And it's still now, you know, getting the messages. I'm blown away because, I mean, I only started the channel like four months ago. So it's it's pretty crazy, you know, that I've, I mean, like one month in, I did a Taycan Turbo S. You know, somebody who I've never met before just said to me, hey, yeah, come and, come and drive my Taycan Turbo S, which I've just bought because I've got my children have just turned, they're starting to get teenage years now and they don't fit in the back of my DB9. So cover drive, you know, it's, it was crazy. Um, and, and so, yeah, even now just getting, you know, someone offering me their M3, I'm just like, oh, you know, that's somebody's absolute pride and joy and they're reaching out to me. But so, yes, whatever comes my way. Uh, but if you're sort of talking more generally, like if I'm just kind of daydreaming and like bucket list with the channel over time, I would love to do every single Aston Martin that's got rear seats within reason. Obviously, there's some like Zagato specials and things like that, which I won't get, but and maybe maybe no one's going to let me drive a DB5. But um, I'd love to do all the Aston Martins and rear seats because I really do love Aston Martins. But other ones as well, like a Ferrari FF. I'd love to mm. do, yeah, love to do a Ferrari FF. Um, because I just think that's that's such a cool car. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of like the you can't even call it an, an SUV, the new Ferrari, because they they won't allow you to call, call it an SUV. It's an <laughs> FUV. Um, but yeah, like I, I I love the FF. I think that is a crazy car. Uh, the a Mark IV Supra. I've got to get a Mark IV Supra on at some point. Um, and I. I've, I've started this with a bit of a running joke now. I've, I've referenced it in several videos, but I want Aston Martin to loan me a DBX. Now, I, was, <laughs> I started saying this like two months into the channel, so it's kind of become a bit of a running joke now. But it's like if I keep saying it, maybe it will happen one day. So I'd like Aston Martin to loan me a DBX for like a week, and then I'll take all my family away for like a holiday in the UK somewhere, do like a road trip and make a few videos about it, just sort of showing how, how usable that car is. But, um, but yeah, but ultimately it's just whatever comes my way, really. You could say, hey, Aston Martin, I'm, I might be looking for another SUV, you know, whenever the BMW gets old. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, but I've already said on the video that I, I can't afford it. No way. Although I'm, I'm a very normal person. Like, I'll have, to, I'll have to wait until all the depreciation happens on the DBX before, but before I could consider that. But my, my, personally for me, like with the, for my, my personal opinion, like a dad car shouldn't be an SUV. I love SUVs and super SUVs. There's some crazy ones out there. I love the DBX. But for a, for a dad car, I think it should be like the absolute, like look, the, your car is perfect. Like perfect example. It's the, it's the absolute bare minimum. It's got, it's got enough seats for, for your one child that you're going to be having soon. Um, so so yeah yeah i suvs are cool but a dad card in my definition is um is something like you know a porsche or you know like a, you know, a coupe you know, something nice you know in the future maybe in a year from now when we want to do a family road trip or something our dilemma is going to be where do we put the dog because we have a 110 pound akita oh, that wow. loves car rides and if we go on vacation we would want to take him with <clears> but so my wife has a G37 sedan. Okay, yeah. And she loves it. She's never going to get rid of it. But a 110-pound dog and a baby is not going to fit in the back uh, seat of that car. So uh, we've been talking about getting a really inexpensive van at some point. Okay, yeah. Um, for, for some various reasons. Uh, but it would not be replacing any vehicle. It would just kind of be tertiary and very um, 
minimally used. Um, but right now our baby is 110 pounds and he, he loves car rides. Yeah, God, yeah. That's a big dog. I've got a tiny little border terrier um, called Monty. And uh, yeah, so the, like the opposite to that. You mentioned about some of the European hatchbacks that, you know, like the Peugeots and, and Renaults and things like that earlier. Are there any that are like a running joke in Europe? Because like we don't get any of those here. So oh, okay. um, we had Peugeots and Renaults back in the 80s here in the States, and they didn't hang around long because of reliability and things like that. Uh, are they do they still kind of have a stigma or have they? ever had a stigma in europe or yeah no, you know, what's what's the story there they're really popular over here but i just i i'm not a hot hatch guy i've never never really been a, a hot hatch guy um and yeah like french french hot hatches and i don't know it just don't it just doesn't interest me i mean i like anything italian um obviously the german stuff yeah <laughs> there's there's so much good that comes out of germany um and uh, yeah, British Lotus, um, Aston Martin, and and Japanese stuff. But yeah, as far as yeah, like you know, Peugeots and things like that, I've got one coming up on the channel soon. But just personally, never really interest me. Um, but yeah, there's loads of them. There's loads of them around here, you know. And um, yeah, they're just to me have always just been a bit a bit boring. Um, but look, they're, they're, look, there's stuff. Other people absolutely love them. And there's particular mm -hmm. models that are that are incredible, um, and then they might think that my Aston Martin's boring. So you know, it's uh, mm -hmm. one man's trash is another man's treasure, isn't it? The French cars tend to be a little quirky, don't they? Yeah, like they'll do things differently than say a Golf would or you think something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and the modern and the modern styling, I think, is oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. Like, yeah, honestly, the modern, the modern Peugeots, they've got Mustang lights, the modern Peugeots. I don't know why. <laughs> they got, like, legitimately, well, they use like, the same parts? Well, no, like, as in, as in like, you know, like the free vertical reversing, you know, like the, the rear lights. Ah, yeah. Okay. It's just, but it's just not, the design of a, of a modern Peugeot, to me, is just not cohesive. Um, they all look like mini SUVs, even the smallest ones. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, look, you know, for some of the, some of the older... Some of the older stuff, um, yeah, like you know, two hundred five GTI and um, well, it's three hundred six GTI six that I just drove. It's really just incredible. It's it's funny when you go back and drive a, an earlier car. I mean, this I think was like a ninety nine. You just realise how much feel you get from the steering wheel, which is lost nowadays. You know, in in the, in the pursuit of perfection and pre precision. Um, you know, like even that 991.2 that I drove, the 4S, don't get me wrong, it's, it really is like sniper rifle, sniper rifle sharp steering. It's just precision. But but you you can't feel it through your fingertips like like you can in the earlier cars, you know. Um, and yeah, that, that 306 GTI6 I drove, it did, you know, going around a corner as well, you, know, you really feel like you could push it. Like this, I drove that, I, I didn't have anyone on board with um, with me in that car because I was, I was filming with another YouTuber. So I didn't take um, any of my children along on that one, but I was pushing it around the corners and just felt like I was getting pretty close to the limit. And I was only driven it for half an hour and that's not normally what I do, but yeah, older cars, front wheel drive. Yeah. See, look, I've, I've started talking myself into a, a French hot hatch now, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. That was a nice car to drive actually. 
they did one a few years ago. I think it was called the the 1007, the 1007, didn't they? Yeah. Where it was almost like a micro van or a micro SUV. It had sliding doors, yeah. but it was kind of a hatch size. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I think, yeah, I think I could picture that. Yeah, some, okay. some odd looking things though, aren't they? Even the even the Fiat 500s um, over here, they they don't really get a whole lot of respect. You know, I the 500 Abart is a snorty, crackly little thing, and I love them. Um, but they, they are a little, they're obviously small for our roads. You know, you probably, what was, what was your experience when you were on our roads, um, years ago coming? I imagine that was maybe your first time in the States. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was my first time in the States. Um, yeah, it's just really easy driving in America because everything's, everything just seems so big and yeah, there's just loads of space and loads of time to do everything apart from driving in LA. That was, um not enjoyable at all i <laughs> driving around la how are you supposed to go when you're on a certain road and you want to go right and then you've got to cut across all the lanes and then get across the it, i don't even understand how how you can do it in la it's pretty crazy i i went on so many detours like um just trying to get to where i wanted to in, in la but um yeah now that trip was incredible driving down route one um yeah like the california coast like to pismo beach and yeah, yeah. That's incredible. We actually conceived our first child whilst we were in America as well. <laughs> That's a fun story. Yeah. We won't go into that, though. Yeah, yeah. It's a family show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You were, talk you were talking about size of vehicles earlier. In a lot of times, I don't realize how small my car is until I see it mm. you know, next to some of the other cars. Like, um, We were driving beside the current generation Supra a few months ago. And I said to my wife, I said, wow, that car is really small. She's like, it's the same size as your car. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've got I've got my thing about the, the current generation Supra. Like, I, cause it, what, the Supra? It, yeah. Didn't you, weren't you considering buying one at one point? I was. Yeah. I was. You're right. Yeah. Um, it was, and they, they were, the, the wheelbase is, is the same. Like the Cayman w was actually the target for the Supra as far as size yeah. and dynamics and things. So they're very similar cars. And it was on my list. I never did end up driving one um, because I kind of just fell on the Cayman once I drove it. I didn't really explore anything else, which I should have. I should have done my due diligence. But, you know, the Cayman was on my bucket list for a long time, probably 20 almost 20 years when they first came out i just thought they were an, a superb looking car and i liked the that it was a mid-engine car and mid-engine was one of the it was the only layout that i haven't owned yet so i wanted the new life experience yeah so i didn't give the super a lot of time but yeah you're correct it was it was on my list so yeah what I, are your thoughts uh, just yeah, infuriates me that car because it's obviously it's just a rebadged z4 isn't it so <sighs> yeah it's annoying if they called it anything else well nah, still though if, if i was going to buy a japanese car i'd want it to be a japanese car i wouldn't want it to be a rebadge something else um yeah it just annoys me i just feel like they they took that legendary name and stuck it on a car just to make some money um yeah look I'm, I, i've never driven one so if, if anyone's listening who's got one I can't really say anything until I drive one, but it hasn't even got any rear seats. It's not a Supra; it hasn't got rear seats, and obviously that's annoying for somebody who's got a Channel. I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, 
Supra's supposed to supposed to have the rear seats, you know. Um, yeah, it's a GT. It's a two plus two. Yeah, yeah, that's it. But you're right, though. Over over in America, your car must be tiny because there's, there's a lot of pickups out out in America, isn't there? And crazy big pickups as well. If you saw like the the average pickup in the UK, it would look tiny to you. Um, but yeah, I'll have to take a picture and post it sometime. My brother-in-law. Uh, I think over the summer he purchased they they go car- uh, camping or as you guys call it caravanning and we do it way different here in America than you guys do it uh, but their their camper is probably thirty feet long yeah and it's got slide outs and everything and so they had to upgrade their truck because all their friends got bigger campers so they had to get bigger get a bigger camper and so they had to get a bigger truck so they bought an F three fifty um dually crew cab over the summer and it's like it's hilarious when i park when we usually tear her car but if i park beside his truck it the the size discrepancy is is just hilarious because his his truck's probably 22 feet long and mine is probably half of that and it looks like a toy next to his car yeah yeah no i i, I can imagine i've seen i've seen a few um it's like when you see the early 911s parked next to a modern 911. You know, even that is a huge contrast, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of it's like crash, crash um, sort of crumple zones and uh, to get the safety ratings up and stuff like that, isn't it? But, but yeah, yeah, I think everything is getting a bit too, a bit too big. When we're all supposed to be thinking about sort of being more environmentally friendly, Surely having cars that are going around which are lighter, so it requires less power input, regardless of where that power is coming from, that would be better, wouldn't it? Um, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> a question I was going to have for, for you, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Just, just out of interest, this is one of my favourite questions just to sort of ask car guys is, I don't know, say, say if tomorrow like, you came into a, a massive, massive chunk of money within reason, um, and then you had a free free car garage built like you know from your from your chap that you recently had on here um who builds the garages you know won some competition and then he built a, a triple garage for you a detached one what free cars would you have in your free car garage within reason don't you can't say like bugatti or something but <laughs> <laughs> well one of them would be my wife's car so that's that's not gonna go anywhere oh okay um so that's gonna be the g37 so I will go with the scenario that we currently have where I park outside despite having a three-car garage. So three of my own cars, to answer your question, uh, I really would like to have um, a Ferrari 355 at some point. Yeah, nice. Um, Probably an S2000 because I've always liked those. Depending on the money is no object but kind of an object thing, I would try to get a Diablo in my garage because I've always liked the Diablos as well. Yeah. So I would probably go with that. Is I would have the Cayman. I would have uh, a 355 and probably an S2000, something a little bit of each. All two-seaters. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, it's interesting what, every, what everybody comes up with when, um, when I ask that question. They're all different engines too. Like the ones would be... Uh, the inline four, the, the boxer six, and then V eight. Yeah, yeah. Well, or the Diablo would have a V twelve. Yes, that's true. If I have the Diablo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of one of the 
guys, he's kind of been a friend of the show and he's been on a few times, um, Emerson, uh, he's got a great garage. He's, he's pretty much got almost every engine, uh, layout you could think of. He's got currently a, a Viper. He's got a Cayman. Um, and then he had, uh, the M coupe, the, the M coupe, the second generation. Um, but he's, yeah, he's got a good setup where a little bit of everything, you know, he's got all the different engines. Yeah, God, the Viper. Variety is a spice of life. Yeah, definitely. The Viper, that's a crazy car, isn't it? That's a car I remember from Gran Turismo as well, but you, would just, you could never just keep, you could never keep it on the track. <laughs> I, yeah. think it, I think it's like that <laughs> as well, isn't it? Uh, yes, depending on what you're trying to do in a generation. I've, I've asked him that question before, actually. Uh, he said the, the newest ones, the Gen 5 Vipers, he said, because uh, he used to have one of those, were very, um, they're a lot more tame than you know the first generation back in the 90s where they were kind of known to be the the original 911 version you know where it's like a, not a widow maker but like very you have to know what to expect and how to drive them properly yeah um but he's got a third fourth generation and it seems like a good mix where it's not too too new and modern and soft but it's also not as extreme as the original yeah, no, that's awesome. It's funny, there's, just reminded, there's a, a guy on the, um, I've got a dad car's Facebook group just for you know, dads who put, put their children in their, their cars. And there's someone on there who put a picture of uh, a, a child seat in a Viper. So, yeah, I've, I just always, that one always, uh, always sprung out me. That's been great. I think someone else put one in a TVR as well on that group as well. So, yeah, it's nice to see. TVR. I'll have to check that out. I haven't, I haven't joined that group yet, but um, wow, yeah, because I'll gonna, definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's, it's not many people in it at the moment, but um, but yeah, it's basically just turned into a group that people put a picture in of uh, of, of a child seat in in one of a car that you wouldn't think it'd be in. So yeah, it'd be nice to get one of of your Cayman with a with a rear face and baby seat in it. I'll definitely have to make that happen. <laughs> um, Ben, let's. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. It's probably a good time to wrap it up. Where can everyone find you uh, online if they'd like to follow along with your content? Yeah, so primarily Dad Cars is it's the YouTube channel. So yes, just Dad Cars, one word on YouTube. Check it out. Come and watch a video. I'm not even going to say subscribe. Watch a video. If you like it, then obviously you can subscribe. Um, and uh, Instagram as well. Instagram, it's dadcars88. Um, so yeah. I'm there and I mean, I'm on Facebook as well. And I just mentioned the Facebook group, didn't I? But, mm-hmm. but yeah, primarily it's uh, the YouTube channel and um, Instagram, dadcars88. And um, yeah, it'd be, if, if you, if you do come over from this podcast, you know, drop in the comments and say, so um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to get some more people. I've already got quite a few subscribers from, from America. So uh, it'd be good to see some more. Ben, thanks again for your time. Um, I'm going to go right now after we, uh, stop recording and watch that new video that you just posted if anyone's interested um he just posted a video of trying to get your significant other to let you to buy a dad car so um what's a what's a quick teaser for that uh 30 second teaser that to get everyone excited to go listen to it after the podcast <laughs> yeah so that one is how to convince the missus i don't know if that's a phrase you use in america but yeah i've got i think i've got three three ways that if you listen to these three ways and implement them yourself then I think 
your other half won't be able to say no to that car purchase that you have decided that you could justify. Uh, so yeah, check out the video and um, and then if she says yes afterwards, drop a comment saying thank you. Yeah, I think you, <laughs> you'll get some great stories come out of that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's been brilliant. Thank you so much for having me on. I really yep. appreciate it. And I'm so excited about you becoming a dad. Um, yeah, stay in touch and, um, and let me know how you get on. Sounds good. Thanks again, Ben. All right. Cheers. Cheers, guys.